0: listening to the Friends of Ashesi podcast. Each month, we'll hear from Ashesi University community members about issues relevant to our mission, Ghana, and Africa at large.
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, join in on this session today. Um, I'm sure there are a few more people who will be joining on as the session progresses, but um, I'd like to say welcome. And uh, I hope everyone is staying indoors as much as they can and practicing social distancing, and you're all keeping well. Um, My name is Ebenezer Buckman. I am going to switch on my video after this session when we move to Q&A, just so that it's not um, distracting. Uh, My name is Ebenezer. I'm a graduate from Ashesi's class of 2011. And I'm currently the director of external relations and special assistant to the president at Ashesi. Uh, And my work involves um, a lot of university communications and um, helping identify and grow university partnerships. And I have been um, part of the team that um, teaches giving voice-to-values at ASHA since 2013. Um, And so today I'm hoping that we can sort of give you a broad understanding of how how and why we chose um, this approach to teaching um, uh, effective ethical action. Uh, and I'd, I'd just like to start with a bit of context uh, for the university and for Ghana and Africa. And um, currently, roughly 12% of um, all university age students in, in, in the continent are able to um, enroll in college. And uh, the philosophy that of the way we sort of looked at this data was that almost by definition? If you're trying to predict um, um, what the future of the continent is going to look like, in terms of both public and private leadership, then you you would look in what's happening in university classrooms on the continent today. And so, uh, Ashesi's uh, ethos or Ashesti's philosophy was: if we are really trying to reshape. Um, the future of African leadership um, and sort of the future generation of leaders who will lead the uh, um, economic and social transformation of the continent. Then we need to think through how we are educating those students today, and um, and so we sort of looked at the education, higher education landscape, and and um, identified what pretty much had been. Um, sort of carryover effects from, you know, the colonial era of, of most African countries. Uh, teaching was a lot of instruction and students were mostly learning by memorizing information and trying to repeat uh, or sort of um, give back that information they've memorized to their to their teachers. And Ashesi has, since starting in 2002, been uh, advocating and sort of has been a leader in in, Developing strategies for helping teach students how to learn, first of all. So move away from road memorization, um, learn how to learn, teach students how to learn, teach critical thinking and teach problem solving, right? Give students the skills that enable them to navigate regardless of what careers or which communities or challenges they are faced with. Give them the tools and the, and the resources to be able to navigate with confidence and, and with courage. But in addition to skill, um, Ashesi also has placed a lot of emphasis on developing character, uh, moral character, um, helping students develop the empathy to, to be able to reach out and show concern for the communities they, they live in and for the problems they see around them, being able to contribute effectively to that, but also being able to take ethical action, right? Being able to tackle the issues of corruption and, the, and, and its attendant problems in Africa. And, and so Ashesi has sort of approached education in these two dimensions. Um, and, and we've done that, we, we, we originally, you know, started out um, with these three approaches. Um, first of all, have students get a lot of grounding in ethical reasoning, being able to, you know, identify and develop good uh, ethical arguments from a variety of perspectives and positions, and I remember one of the classes that I took when I was a student, uh, for example, you, you think through things like, you know, um, the veil of ignorance proposed by John Rawls. Um, what are the merits of that, right? If you were placed in a society where you did not know your position in that society, what choices would you make? What policies would you implement? Um, but then also debate, well, can we always assume, or can we always come at choices from this perspective? What about having to include disadvantaged people in making choices that, um, by definition, you have to sort of think through uh, beyond the bill? But all these com- conversations are happening within our classrooms at HSE. We also sort of did this three-year leadership theory um, and practice class where we cover various leadership and public governance models. We look at what's happening within um, African philosophy and leadership. And we look at what's happening in different countries around the world, what are the economic models that um, countries have have adopted, what are the um, merits and demerits. And then also within that leadership, uh, the three-year leadership class, we have mandatory community service for students where they have to go beyond the university's walls and identify problems within different environments across Ghana, and sort of apply um, the skills and tools that they are learning in the classroom to help them solve those problems. The idea being that if you, uh, if you push students who expose themselves to some of the challenges that exist, they can immediately see how they can be more effective uh, uh, or be able to use their education to contribute more effectively. And then in 2008, um, Ashesi students voted into Forza University Honor Code. It was the first on the continent where the students pledged to first to not cheat in exams, and to also ensure that um, no one else does that. So don't cheat and don't tolerate cheating. And so if you walk into an exam room at Ashesi today, there are no proctors, um, there are no invigilators. The, the, the students themselves are sort of put in charge of ensuring um, um, ethics and good practice within the classroom. And um, two years ago, conversations began around moving this honor code into a, a more social one, um, guiding behavior and attitudes across the university campus for both faculty staff, for faculty staff and students. Now we had sort of been running on this path and we graduated, you know, our first five classes. So class of 2010 went out into the the world of work and every year we put out these surveys asking alumni how they're doing. Uh, We call our graduates sort of checking on them and how things are going. And, you know, we had a lot of things around life after Chassis. And there was one thing that kept, you know, showing up across all the conversations we were having with with our graduates. And it was that um, Ashesi had done a really good job giving um, graduates sort of an understanding of of right and wrong and an understanding of what shouldn't be tolerated in terms of if you are a leader or you find yourself in an environment. uh, What are the things that you should look out for in terms of this is something that should not be happening or questioning the status quo? But what they were struggling with was how to effectively do that. Um, You know, there were alumni who were sort of burning bridges by going out into work and calling people out um, without a lot of tact per se. And so, you know, alumni were sort of asking us, "How is there a way to teach us how to be more um, tactful, how to be more thoughtful um, in how we navigate uh, situations of ethical conflict?" And so we we really went back to the drawing board with our faculty. Um, we involved alumni, and we started talking within ourselves and reaching out to you know partners around the world and asking you know has has anyone encountered such a challenge and how have they solved it? And we came across um, giving voice to values, which um, is a is a method of ethical action and. Teaching that was developed by Mary Gentile. Uh, Mary Gentile is now at the Darden School of Business at the University of Virginia, and she had sort of been teaching um, at Harvard Business School when she first piloted this um, uh, program around how do we, you know, teach students and essentially future leaders how to be more tactful in how they um, correct situations of ethical conflict. Now. Um, Before we go on, I'd I'd like us to do just a quick exercise. Um, I've put out these four statements on the screen. And um, what I'm going to ask you to do is when I read out a statement and you identify with it, please raise your hand. And so what's going to happen is we are going to create these breakout rooms where we're going to move everyone into a separate room based on what you choose. And um, the goal is that you can discuss, please give me a minute. The goal is that you can, you can discuss um, why you chose this particular comment or why you feel this value is the strongest. I have put instructions at the sort of small images at the bottom um, showing how you could find your hand raising feature can everyone see it? If you can see it, please click on participants first, and then click on the raise hand feature when I read and you agree with it. So I'm going to start with, oh, let me go back. I'm going to start with, um, if you had to choose one, uh, honor your father and mother, uh, protect the, the earth and environment, do to others as you want done to you, and question authority. So we'll start from the first one. If you had to choose one, what would you choose? Okay, perfect. And so within every breakout room, you have, um, you're have you gonna have uh, a member from the Shesi team who will be in the room and will sort of help um, track notes and report back to the larger group, uh, summarize what was discussed in the group when we get back. And so we are sort of taking uh, seven minutes to, to talk through our conversations, Um, the team leader in your group will moderate the sessions and and sort of guide um, the, the discussion and so I'm going to break out into rooms now and then we'll reconvene in about you know six to seven minutes speak soon So I'm going to let the different designated group group leads sort of um, give a quick summary of what was discussed. So um, for group one, I think Camille's group. Could you just share what what was discussed in your group?
2: Yeah, we're trying to figure out how.
0: So our group felt that protecting the earth and environment was the value with, with which we identified the most strongly, especially given current events and concerns about global warming. Um, we feel that protecting the earth and having a viable place to live is kind of a prerequisite to all other values. Um, and it's just something that we all felt was very important.
1: Right. So I think there was one, one member of your group who, uh, uh, went into a different breakout room. I think Fatima, if you want to speak briefly.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that was strange, but, um, Yeah, I definitely agree. And as I had mentioned to you uh, earlier that I think uh, I am – okay, I live in California and there, like in Berkeley, we we have a lot of, quote-unquote, tree huggers. Without having to kind of go into that conversation, I think it's not just hugging a tree or anything like that, but it's just – protecting the earth without a, a safe and healthy earth and environment. I don't think people will be able to thrive in any condition so that we're, the, we're not saying that honor your father and mother, do unto others are not important, right. but just making sure that the, the mother that takes care of us, right, is, is whole and, and, and healthy so that we can all thrive under her, right? That's kind of where I chose that.
1: Perfect. Okay. So, the do to others group, do to others as you want done unto you?
4: Yes. Um, so, as a group, um, in a nutshell, we felt that um, this principle was like it, have, it has a deeper underlying factor for all the other values that were shown on the screen. So, for instance, if I were a parent, I would want my children to treat me with respect. So, if I think of my parents, I'll treat them with respect. If I were a leader, I would like people to question me when they have any, um, maybe I'd like, I'd like people to question me as a leader. So when I think of a leader, when I see a leader, I would do say, and it goes for all the other values. So that's why we
2: chose it.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. And the question authority group.
2: Hi guys. So, um, in in summary, we, we talked about how, you know, question authority, um, in particular at this stage in time, wrestling with COVID, um it it it's it's really become more important to, you know, especially hold the government um accountable for you know some of the actions they are taking with regards to handling the the, the, the COVID situation. And also um we also talked about how from a personal standpoint um, based on what your values and beliefs are, you might have to question authority, um, i.e., your parents, your 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 faith, um, and even your culture, to to sort of get a sense of you know what we are about in life. And it's it's really important to understand what you're about, um, and also let people know you know what you're about.
1: Right. So thank you, everyone. Uh, for those of you who got mixed into wrong groups, our apologies. Um, but I just wanted to ask, you can do a quick hand raise if you you have an answer. Um, who Who can sort of identify why we did this brief exercise? Just do a hand raise and and um, we'll unmute your mic. I think
5: as a leader, you have to handle ethical dilemmas there are a lot of ethical dilemmas. It's not just, okay, we want to do good and avoid bad. Okay, it's not, that's not as easy. So we have to become familiar how to think, how to solve according to which criteria
1: we can decide on ethical dilemmas. And- Okay, okay, okay so that's one. Um, with regards to this specific um, exercise, this specific brief exercise that we just did, any any additional thoughts Uh, this is joe please go on joe
0: i think that it's important to understand what motivates your audience so i think it's important that even if i have a particular bias towards for example one of these principles or sets of values, it's really important for me to first understand what principles or values in my audience or the person with whom I'm speaking whole so that the communication can be more successful.
1: Right. Okay. So, so both answers, are uh, uh, correct. And the sort of the idea behind this exercise is one, trying to highlight that, uh, many of us carry uh, existing values based on our upbringing, experiences that we've had, people that we've met. Um, we we go into any environment with an existing set of values. And granted, those values may evolve and um, change as we experience new things and meet new people. But at any point in time, whenever you meet with someone, you have a set of values you hold dearly, um, and the person or people you're speaking with or engaging with also have a set of values they hold dearly. Um, and so the Giving Voice to Values um, program uh, really tries to move away from talking about what is wrong and what is right and what should be done or you know what we should hold dear. Giving Voice to Values um, starts with the understanding that um, there is a lot of activity and a lot of work Um, that needs to be done and that it takes to help people develop and identify values for themselves. But what is often missing is helping people understand, well, when I have a set of values and I'm in situations where I feel those values are in conflict, how do I effectively um, reach out to the other people in the room or in the dialogue to sort of help, help create common ground? And to sort of do it in a way that allows us to not burn bridges, or allows us to sort of um, help the other person see and reframe um, choices that they would have uh, made um, prior, right? So, so GVV is very intentional about that, and it sort of starts with with these five um, uh, key tenets, right? That. Uh, giving voice, in giving voice to values, when we are in both in the training and in the program, but also in practice, is that you should always come uh, uh, to conversations from a place of respect. Look more in, at the convergence. So if students are in a classroom, someone will say, well, if my friend is cheating, uh, because they are my best friend, I shouldn't report them. Um, but someone will also say, well, if this person is my friend, I need to be concerned about um, them cheating through and not actually understanding what they are doing and graduating and going out and and failing in a big way, right? And so uh, in both cases, the underlying value is these are my friends and I'm loyal to my friends. But how you frame how you act based on that value is what GVV is trying to focus on. Um, Giving voice to values also embraces context. Um, Cultural differences in Ghana Um, mean that the way you approach a values conflict situation will not be the same as the way you approach it in California or in Kenya or in uh, Sweden, right? There are cultural contexts that um, influence the sort of the choices we make, but um, giving voice to values also then takes it to the next level that the context doesn't necessarily um, nullify the, the values that exist Within any society, and doesn't make it appear that if you come to a, a place and everybody's paying bribes, it then implies that everyone in that environment is happy with um, seeing bribes being paid. Um, but also importantly, we treat we try to treat GVV as a thought experiment. A lot of students will come into the class feeling very skeptical um, about will this work at all, and this seems a bit you know pie in the sky approach when you frame it as a thought experiment, well, let's do it and see how it goes, right? You sort of take away the defensiveness and the biases that would typically come um, into into play in a class where you were debating values or having conversations about how to act on values. But also importantly, we we highlight the positives. We highlight examples of real situations where people actually manage to do the right thing and got everyone else's buy-in without necessarily um, losing an opportunity or walking away from uh, a group of friends. And we especially leverage on alumni for this. But And then uh, the fifth pillar, uh, GVV also emphasizes this is not pointing fingers and going into an environment and saying you are bad and you are bad and you are evil. But there's a lot of emphasis on really trying to build bridges and understand that Understand what is motivating this person, as Joe said. What is driving this behavior, and then how do I speak to that motivation in a way that allows the person to reframe their choices, right? And so these are the five key assumptions we start with, and the way we sort of structure the class. If you like what you heard, um, please
0: hit subscribe and tell your friends. The classes are designed as these we'll small,
1: quote unquote, peer support groups, right? And so you have one facilitator who is a member of staff or a member of faculty at a chassis. And then you have an alum, an Ashesi graduate, who comes in every week to co-teach that class. And so you have these small 12 to 15 class groups that meet every week. They convene and it's sort of designed so that the students feel this is a safe space where everyone gets a chance to speak and share their thoughts. And, you know, the faculty and the alum can also engage with the students effectively. And alumni really uh, serve as the, the anchor to what's happening outside of the university. So they're able to bring in perspective as to, well, this is what um, you would have to deal with if you were actually in an office, right? These are some of the barriers you may have to encounter. And these are some of the challenges that you may not immediately see sitting in the classroom as students. And so alums, um, because students can identify with a fellow student who has walked in their shoes and is now out in the world, Alums are a key part of how we teach Giving Voice to Values. Um, but also the Giving Voice to Values program really puts students in, in charge, right? And so a lot of the case scenarios that are created in partnership with our alumni, anonymous case studies that are brought into the classroom, put students in the, in the seat if you were in this situation. So even though it may feel hypothetical, it, it really also comes across as, you know, this is not me, a teacher or the alum, telling you what to do. If you were in this particular situation, how would you react? How would you go about, you know, voicing your concern and all of that? And students do these skits um, where they come together as a group and plan, write a script, and act out in the class um, how we would have handled the situation. So sort of like a play format in a way that allows the students to come in enthusiastic about the process, but also allows all the other students in the room to be able to look at how that was handled and give feedback and give pointers. And we teach the GVV program in the first year when students come in fresh, quote unquote, as a blank slate, not having yet learned um, any of the things that exist within the HSC ecosystem. We start the first year uh, experience with giving voice to values. And then we revisit it in their senior year when students are about to graduate. And then you sort of look at the, the transition that happens between how people sort of navigate um, the training from their first year and then when they come in in their senior year. right? And so when the, between those two sessions, when they go out into the world of work, the research that um, supports giving voice value shows that if students' ethical behavior is like a muscle, uh, the more students have had a chance to practice um, speaking up and you know effective voicing out of uh, concern, the more they've had the chance to practice that whilst they're still in school, the easier it becomes for them to actually behave that way when they graduate, right? So it takes away the inertia. Um, and we would, of course, we would send more material around the curriculum and all of that to you by email. But, um, Since we implemented Giving Voice-to-Values in 2011, every Ashesi does these um, evaluations with employers and people who recruit um, our students and our graduates. And we have these eight learning goals that we sort of measure our effectiveness by. And I've pulled out four of them. um, That sort of speak to um, the tools that Giving Voice-to-Values tries to um, give out, which is really around ethics, um, being able to effectively function in a team or as a leader of a team, being professional, and then being able to com- com- communicate. And on average, what you see here is uh, the average in terms of how how many of the people we surveyed rank the students as excellent on these four key as these four key aspects. Um, And we sort of use this as a way to benchmark. I've put the other four learning goals that we evaluate on the right. But we use these four things, especially ethics and civic engagement, to benchmark, well, how well are students, first of all, learning uh, ethical action in whilst they're here, and then how well are they able to practice it when they when they leave? And one of the key attributes that all employers would, would share about the students they work with is we, we trust the SSI alums that we recruit, and often, trust for us is a non-negotiable clause. And so this, in a way, allows us to benchmark, well, how well are we doing? Is this really working? Um, is the experiment working? And uh, you'd find also that our alumni are now beginning to carry the Giving Voice to Values program forward. Um, Yawa Hansen uh who is a member of the class of 2007, was the first student council president, first woman to be a student government president, Um, in the history of Ghana University. She is now executive director at um, an organization called Emerging Public Leaders that trains young people that are moving into the public space, working in government, and they've set up shop in Ghana and Nigeria, trying to prepare a new generation of leaders within the public space. And Yawa, since joining last year, has introduced Giving Voice to Values as uh, one of the key training um, sessions they have with... Um, all the fellows that come into the program, and this program, you know, has backing of essentially a lot of public sector leaders. Um, the former president of Liberia, Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, is highly involved, and so these young people are going to, eff- effectively, become um, public leaders in in a majority of countries soon, and this program really gives them the opportunity to experience what we are teaching at Ashesi. Um, and now we also see a lot of um, institutions in Ghana, especially, beginning to look to Ashesi and asking, how can we sort of replicate this emphasis on teaching integrity and teaching ethics within our own schools? And so Wesley Girls High School, which is um, one of the most well-known high schools here in Ghana, for example, reached out to Ashesi and we worked with them to develop an honor code system. And so the students you see in the black and gray are Ashesi alumni who attended that high school and went back and worked together with the the alma mater to sort of establish an honor code. You are seeing a lot of different professional bodies and organizations beginning to uh, highlight Ashesi as an example of what works. And this is a big shift because for example, when Ashesi started the honor code, we almost lost our accreditation because our accreditation body said, this is this is a bad idea. And essentially, we are going to give students the ability to cheese their way through exams. And if our didn't stop it, um, we, would, we would lose our accreditation as an institution. And we sort of had to defend the case together with students and parents and families. And now you have, you know, for example, the Ghana Union of uh, pro- Professional Students um, reaching out to government and saying we should expand and learn from what HS is doing and actually implement it across a lot more institutions. But we're also taking some direct steps to share our learning and experiences um, in as many spaces as we can. For example, three years ago, we started this um, uh, education collaborative, which really uh, is an effort to reach out to peer institutions and other universities across Africa to sort of deepen collaboration and and ask universities to share their learnings and experiences around um, all the different ways in which we are implementing higher education across the continent. And uh, we treat it as a way to just open source what we are learning and the things we are building. And so every year we have not only administrators and faculty, but also university presidents and, and vice chancellors coming together to discuss effective strategies. And we are working with a couple of universities now to develop, you know, programs that allow us to deepen the teaching of ethics and ethical action. But additionally, we've also reached out to corporate, you know, bodies. And we started last year with a CEO roundtable where we, we sort of looked at what had happened in the finance sector of Ghana, where a lot of banks and institutions had had to, be shut down or, or taken over by the government for financial misappropriation and mismanagement. And there were a lot of these ethical questions that came up. And so we decided to pilot this um, approach to developing ethical organizations and developing uh, uh, corporations that are able to enforce ethical action within their teams. And we we are trying to identify how can we effectively not just teach the students who are sitting in our classrooms, but also take what we are learning and the experiences and the, and the failings and take it out and share it with the rest of the rest of the world around. This is how we could more effectively curate, um, experiences that help enforce or help, you know, students and uh, teams and, uh, organizations effectively, um, uh, enforce ethical action. And so uh, I'm just right. going to show this quick video that underpins all that we've just discussed now. Uh, it's from Patrick Ewa who's the founder and current president of the institution. Uh, it's a quick one, so let me just try and pivot to it so you can see.:
2: There are important questions that students need to grapple with. What is the truth? What is beauty? What is right? And as long as this is search ongoing, as long as questions are being asked and people are grappling with those questions, that we will get a steadily improving world. If we do not teach love and compassion, if we do not teach ethics, if we do not teach students how to ask questions, if we don't teach them how to learn for a lifetime, and we just teach them the science and technology of today, we would not have done our jobs.
1: Right, so because this is an online session, we wanted to keep it short and sweet so everyone can sort of keep up with it and and ask questions and following this session we're going to send you more information around um giving voice to values share the curriculum with all of you who joined uh, share the research that supports it um, so that you can also look through it and and see um in a in a larger way how to effectively implement within your own institutions and organizations and we're also happy at any time you can reach out to us and we can share Uh, feedback for any questions that you have, but for now, I'm going to pause and ask um, to all of you back at home if you have any questions. Please raise your hand and then we'll just unmute so you can speak. I have two colleagues of mine uh, also on the call, uh, Michael and Nadia, who spoke previously. Um, I'm going to also ask them to sort of quickly share um, some quick thoughts on their own experiences with giving voice-to-values. And then we'll start with the questions. So I'll come to your accountability lab. I see your hand is up. So please keep it up. And then you will begin the questions for us. So I'll, I'll hand off to Michael, just to share briefly his own experience with giving voice-to-values at HSA, as an alum.
2: Hi, guys. Um, so... I graduated um, a couple, about five years back. And um, I, I was part of the, the first group of classes that took Giving Voice to Values. Um, and I also currently teach Giving Voice to Values at Ashesi. Um, it's, it's really important um, in the sense that it sort of helps us grapple with how we we'll deal with situations. Um, personally, I, I had a situation where, when I did an internship um, after Ashesi, one of the things we had to do at the, the place I worked at was to clock in and clock out um, when we came to work and when we left work. And um, at that organization, it was, it was quite um, normal for people to clock out at the wrong time. They'd go, they'd go out for lunch, and then they would um, clock out as though they were done with work. And um, there was one day where a colleague asked me to clock out for, for him And initially for me, um, that didn't seem like a problem. But then when I realized that I was going to go against my personal ethics, it became a point of conflict for me. And um, at that moment, I struggled with doing the right thing. Um, I'm I'm, I'm sad to say that I, I wasn't able to voice out my value at that point. But then later on in time, I have sort of been able to understand um, what ways I would have gone about, you know, explain why I didn't feel comfortable doing um, what, what he had asked me to do. And um, so giving voice values, when alumni come to share, it's not always um, stories where they succeeded in, you know, doing the right thing, but then it's also important that they share how they failed and how they can learn from those experiences. So that's, that's my story.
4: Okay, so I am Nadia, I graduated class of 2018, and coming from a background where it's usually frowned upon when um, the younger generation questions authority, it's always been very difficult for me to even clarify when something is not clear from people who are older, generally older than me. So my mom has a shop, she sells um, some Provisions and drinks. And usually we have a tax force that comes around to ask her for money, just so that they don't report it to the authorities for we never knew what, right? But that always puts some fear in us, and we'll generally just give them maybe 10 CDs or KPDs. And so I remember one day on when I came home from, um, from school, um, they came around, and I happened to be at the shop at that time. And so I asked them, that I asked them for their ID, their ID cards. And they're like, who are you to ask me for for an ID card? You're a woman. And look at this small girl, you know. So they always start with, you're a woman. You don't have the right to question a man. Or you're a little girl. You're not our age mate, right? So we went on and on on this for about two minutes. And then I think we drew the attention of people who were opposite the, the shop and from the next house. And they came around and they're like, what's happening? And so I explained the situation to them and they're like, she's right. She asked for your ID card. And it just happens that these people were stomachs. They were not actual people. They're not actual tax force people. So this saved us, you know, the situation of giving money to people who were posing as tax force members. And it also just served as a good example to my neighbors because they always see me as that little girl who's always asking so many questions but then this time they see they found a reason for her to be able to question these people who were duping her mask right so it's not always been easy because there have been obviously certain locations where it didn't go rightly or it didn't go as planned so for instance you have people insulting you and saying all sorts of things to you yeah girl you don't have the right to do this and all that but then in the few situations that this has been successful I don't regret questioning people who are older than me when I think situations are wrong or when I think they're doing the wrong
1: thing. All right. Thanks a lot, Nadia. I'm going to um, hand off to um, Accountability Lab. I'm not sure who's running the account, but I'll let you introduce yourself.
0: Hi, everyone. My name is Katie, and I'm the operations and programs coordinator at the Accountability Labs DC Washington, D.C. office. Um, I'd just be curious to hear about any potential limitations that you have found with this method. A lot of the behaviors and examples that have been mentioned are about smaller ethical dilemmas um, and more of a person-to-person dilemma. And I was just curious how this method works with or maps onto larger questions with really life or death consequences such as whether people should have ac- should be allowed access to healthcare or whether lgbti rights are human rights and i ask this because i'm finding that many people in the united states and the conversations that i'm hearing are about whether or not certain people deserve rights and that's a little well of course it's it, it is still a Ethical dilemma. There are there are higher stakes, and therefore people are more emotional and o- for 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 obvious reasons. Um, so I'm just curious about how how you guys have found this method to um, map on to larger questions, like like I stated. Thank you.
1: Well, thanks, Katie. Uh, so. I think it's it's really important to mention that the Giving Voice to Values program works best in in complement when it's complemented with other training around you know ethical uh, perspectives and ethical arguments. And so, if you take um, a Chessie, while students are taking Giving Voice to Values next semester, we we have I think across the entire four-year spectrum probably four or five classes that directly speak, speak to uh, ethical arguments. And so you are moving from, you know, discussing um, philosophical arguments like, you know, you're thinking through John Rawls, you're thinking through, we read Machiavelli, we read, um, John, you know, uh, Hobbes. We, it's a whole bunch of things that you, you sort of sift through and have students discussing in class around how do you build a good society and what should a good society look like? Now, these conversations are not necessarily easy to have. And so it takes a lot of time um, to, to sort of get to a point where we, you, you realize that you walk into their classroom and the conversation is very mature and very thoughtful versus more defensive and more emotional. Um, but, it, but, but DVV works well when students are able to go through sort of all that complementary training but additionally, for some of the, the issues that you raise, um, it comes a lot with growth and, and sort of experiences as you navigate through life. And so the Giving Voice to values tool set, it's really a foundation on which you then start building as you, um, you progress through your career, through your work, through your relationships. You begin learning sort of how to more effectively, like I mentioned, it's like a muscle. And the more you exercise it, the, the stronger it becomes and the more uh, efficient you become at it and the more effective you become at it. But <clears throat> we see it as without giving the tools, then then it, it's much harder and it takes much longer for students to or graduates to sort of build the expertise to, to navigate those situations. Um, but you're right. Some of these ethical uh, questions around rights and um, who deserves rights and who deserves what, Um, are complex and it's not necessarily um, questions that you you may be able to fully answer in one class or with one program. It takes a lot of time, um, I guess. I'm not sure if that answers your question effectively.
5: Eben, I have a question. I have not read the book, Giving Voice to Values, but does it only mean giving voice to values, which means think about values and express values? What does it mean, You, what is called ethical relativism? Your values are, are as good as my values, and everybody has the same values, and everybody is doing his own values according to his upbringing. And and so the uh, teacher in a class, is a teacher somebody who knows, and the student somebody who doesn't know? And is, or is a teacher uh, a moderator who is just, you know, Telling now, what do you think
1: about it, or well, is there anything else you think about it, like a like a psychiatrist? You know? is there anything else you want to say? A good good question, Peter. So so that's exactly um, what what GVV tries to address is that the teacher is not necessarily the owner of um, what is good or what is bad. The teacher is really in the class as a guide for the conversation. And and if you remember. At the beginning, uh, I had mentioned that the Giving Voice Values class does not attempt to get into um, what is wrong or what is right, which is why I mentioned to to Katie that it's a complementary program. It really emphasizes, let's put all that aside in terms of what is wrong and right. What would you do in a situation? Or what what can you do in a situation where you feel this is wrong? Um, So it's sort of a post-situation analysis of what can be done differently if you're Here's this case, um, anonymous case from one of our alumni, where they were in an organization where the the they were auditing the the books and they realized some money had been misappropriated and they wanted to speak up about it. What what would you advise that person to do if you were in their shoes? All right. So it's it's not necessarily um, having a debate about what is wrong and right. It's this person feels this is wrong. So it's, it's a toolbox. It? A toolbox. Exactly. It's really a toolkit. Uh, mostly a communication toolkit, how to effectively com- communicate to someone else who disagrees with you um, around how about if we reframe it this way uh, or thought of it this way. So here, you may get short-term profits, but what happens if this is discovered by the revenue authority? Our company could get shut down. Um, our faces would be plastered all, all, all over the news. Um, do we want to take that risk with this Or, or organization that we've taken 12 years to build, right? We want to lose an organization that we've taken 12 years to build in one week, which is sort of what happened with some of the banks where long-standing, well-known, you know, audits were done. And then the banks are taking over and it's gone in, in the space of a month. The bank has just disappeared and it's, it's something completely different. And so appealing to those things and saying, I, I see, I see that you're worried about losing profits and losing revenue, but think of how this could also play out if the company is completely shut down. The damages could be could be much harder. So trying to give students the toolkits to reframe um, ethical situations in that way um, is what GVV tries to do. So Katie, I see you still have your hand up. Um, is it because you have a question or this is from before? Okay, are there any additional questions? Are there any other questions from the rest of the group? Please raise your hand and let us know so then we can. Um... All right, good. So uh, you're gonna get an email, I just put up a poll uh, it's an anonymous poll. Please uh, vote on it and give us feedback so we can sort of understand what worked and what didn't. This was originally meant to be a face-to-face class. We were gonna have you act out skits. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that we could, we could have this session as well. It's, it's a new experience for me and I think for most of my colleagues as well. So there's a lot that we can learn around how to post um, these sessions in the future. So we would really appreciate any feedback you may have. Uh, please vote on the poll and let us know and uh, feel free to shoot us an email as well. You will get emails from the Ashes University Foundation and you can sort of um, give us additional feedback if you prefer. I see, um, okay, that's from Katie. All right. So anyone else before we wrap up? Anyone want to share thoughts on um, what stood out most to them? or what they wish they knew, they understood more of as well. Please raise your hand or unmute your mic and speak if if you have any thoughts. Hi,
4: okay. this is. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead.
3: Um, so this is Fatima. So um, I, I'm just really glad to hear that this is these are the kind of uh, topics and conversations that are happening. Um, I'm originally from Nigeria and um, and uh, w- when finding out more about Ashesi University, I mean, I was curious about a lot of things and um, about how to build leaders and entrepreneurs in Africa and all of that. But just listening on to this conversation and just knowing that these these additional topics and conversations are actually happening makes me, I mean, I, I'm really glad to hear it because in Africa you hear a lot about um, corruption, and that's always been kind of a turn off for a lot of people, even within the, the African continent or even in the diaspora or, or wherever. And just knowing that this is actually a thing now, that is being a conversation that has been had, it just, just shows that, you know, we are definitely moving in the right direction. Not that people didn't have morals or values before, but it had been eclipsed by a lot of corruption. And that's kind of the reputation that a lot of African countries um, had. And so just, I'm really glad to be part of this conversation and just would definitely want to know more.
1: Brilliant, brilliant. Fatima, so huh? I think we'll be in touch with you uh, and everyone else in the group. Uh, was there one last comment? We'll take one last comment and then. We'll... Yes,
6: it's Anne. Hi. Anne. Yes. Yes. Um. I. I um. I have contacts also with um, people in Nigeria, and also I am from Guyana, South America. And growing up as um, in Guyana, mm-hmm. my grandmother would um say like little sayings um that kept us in line like for instance she always told us if you're going to dig a hole for your enemy also dig one for yourself because you might fall into it yes so i'm thinking in the context of um values are they are you incorporating some of the african um yes. sense of what we did and what we said. And cause there's another one before you spit into the wind, before you spit, watch which way the wind is blowing before you do right. that. So things like that. So are right. you incorporating indigenous like wisdom into the leadership?
1: I'm, I'm really glad you gave me a chance to speak to that. Um, cause that is, that is a key part of, of, of the teaching. Um, we, we do have these philosophy classes um, that address global thoughts, but there's quite a lot more classes around African philosophy and African religions and uh, African values. And students um, really are exposed to this wide range of, of thinking coming from within um, African society. Um, and if, if you're familiar at all with, um, with, with the continent and how our value systems are formed, uh, there's a lot of emphasis on religion, um, not just Christian religion or Islamic religion, but tra- traditional religion that sort of forms the values that we, we live by. If you've read a lot of Chino Achebe's books, um, you'd, see, you'd see that you know visible across a lot of his narratives. And, and you know the students are reading texts like um, Things Fall Apart and, and sort of the drivers within the book the context that the book is set in, how Okonkwo's value systems were formed, and and trying to understand how values are formed through societies that we live in. And there's also quite a lot of work around um, African texts and African literature. Um, And then there are classes that teach more contemporary um, uh, African popular culture and African um, narratives, helping students sort of draw the line from history to present and understand how our own culture has been built and also been influenced by um, sort of interactions with the rest of the world. But it's actually, there's a lot of emphasis on that actually much more than um, non-African sort of philosophy and thinking. So thank you, thank you for bringing that up because it's, it's actually a very important part of how we approach teaching. And and this sort of serves as the core for all our majors. So our students are yeah, taking business, computer science, uh, or any of the three engineering majors or so management information systems. But all the, all the students take these classes. It's not restricted. And it's actually a key part of our approach to teaching, this multidisciplinary approach, where you have an engineering student who's sitting in a class discussing. Um, values and discussing ethics and discussing how do you make good choices and you sit in the class with the business student or sit in the class with the computer science student. The idea is that students will need this grounding regardless of where they go. And it's going to be uh, a key part of what determines what sort of leaders they become. So thank you for, for raising that. And okay. So thank you very much. We are going to be in touch with you. Um, I think, uh, soon and the shortly or in the early next week, you'd be hearing from us and feel free to reach out to us. We have a deep dive program that we run every October. Um, depending on how the pandemic evolves, uh, feel free to let us know if you'd like to join the deep dive program and come to Ghana and come sit in Chess's classrooms and experience this personally for yourself. Uh, but thank you so much for making the time today and I wish you all the best. All right. Thank you. Have a good day, everyone.
6: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.